31st of December 2013, Sagittarius the Archer. The first thing you see with Sagittarius is that you have a centaur and a, a rider on a white horse. The centaur, which is a man-beast, is the old symbol for Sagittarius in Atlantean times, when the thinking principle was very much united to the desire principle or to, or to the animal nature. And so there was no real separation between mind and, and that which governs the body or the emotions. Specifically, the animal form relates to the principle of desire. So the old centaur is the desire mind in application. You see in the background, it's more or less a grassy field with some flowers. There's not a lot of things in this arena. It's just simply some mountains in the background, which symbolizes the eventual aspiration towards Capricorn and the climbing of the mount to initiation. But the foreground is relatively simple because the archer is one-pointed. They don't clutter up their, their emotional body with too many images and you know too many emotions. They basically know what they want to do and how to achieve it. And then they focus themselves to achieve it, all their energies. It's one-pointed aspiration, one-pointed ambition for the average individual. You can see the Sagittarian has to change ambition to aspiration to devotion, to higher ideals. For the Sagittarian, this can be quite difficult, of course, because of the nature of ambition. And some of you can look at the difference between... So it's quite a, a, a difficult thing to, to see ambition, which is personal will to achieve a goal, and, and the higher will, goodwill, the will to love, the type of will you use to aspire to achieve great things and the type of ambition that people use to achieve the things they want. It's a personal will. But at a particular juncture, it's, it's very difficult to distinguish between when you're moving from ambition to, to spiritual will, if you think about it. And, of course, you can be ambitious with good motives. You can be ambitious for, for instance, parents are ambitious with regards to their children. They want to see their children become great doctor or something like that and they'll push their children through university and high schooling in order to do that. And sometimes it's to the detriment of the child. But if it is tempered with wisdom, that ambition can be to make that child a genius if they're working with the natural talents of the child. So, you know, turn them into a musician or whatever it is, if that's what the child really wants to do. So you can see the defined balance between ambition and spiritual will. One necessitates wisdom and the other necessitates the logic of the mind. Ambition is, of course, that which the Dark Brotherhood use to generate much of their necromancy. The, the other symbol there is the rider on the white horse. And that's the Aryan dispensation. So we move from the centaur in Atlantis, the Atlantean image of, of Sagittarius, to the rider, 
that the rider can dismount off his horse. In other words, the mind element now rules, whereas in the centaur, the mind and the bodily nature are united. In this particular case, we've got the white horse, and in my picture you can see that I've um, painted the rider white as well because I'm looking at the spirituality, high spirituality, because this particular rider is an initiate. The rider can be anything. I mean, you can think of the the, the hordes of the, the Huns or the Visigoths sort of riding sort of to conquer Rome and destroy civilization. They're very good at that. And, and the, the Mongols later on came and, you know, hundreds of thousands of them to the gates of Vienna and they took over China. So they, the whole Asian continent they destroyed and that's the, the mind element on a mass scale and the Sagittarian impulse working through them. And in this particular case, what we have is that the Zai element has been transformed into spiritual will. This archer is focused upon a target. The early sort of symbol, Aryan symbol for Sagittarius, of course, was the, the man on the, on the horse with a bow and arrow. But recently, all that's remained of that is a part of the bow and the arrow. And so the bow is tensed. And if you think of the whole path of yoga meditation, you have to learn to tense your mind. And the whole discipline of mind, the tapas, the austerities of the yogin, is what this remnant of this whole symbol uh, symbolizes. A tensed bow and the arrow that's used to fire towards the spiritual goal. And that is the well-trained mind, the disciplined, well-honed, um, focused mind upon producing the intent of the task at hand. And so you can understand with regards to Sagittarius, we've just moved out of Scorpio. And Scorpio is the battle of the Tsar, the battling disciple. And Sagittarius is the disciple that's gone through all that battering has now mastered themselves and is focusing their mind to the goal that all of that battle has produced. And the goal, of course, is, in this particular case, the targets of the seven ray ashrams, depending on the rider, the specific soul ray of the rider. He'll fire at any of those seven targets, or he can fire at the central target, which stands for hierarchy as a whole. It's the heart center. It's a 12-petal lotus. Or it can also double up as Shambhala, depending on the spiritual age of the Archer. So you can see tense, well-balanced, focused mind, um, no longer directed towards ambition, but to high aspiration or high spiritual goals. The targets, of course, are in, in the raid colours of the various ashrams. And at the centre are certain uh, symbols for some of the planets. And the planets are just simply the, the planets for the ruling rays. For instance, Venus, the mind, Orings, Saturn, Karma, the third ray. Uh, Venus is the fifth ray, Saturn is the third ray. 
and then you get Mars, the sixth ray. Above that, you get Vulcan, the first ray, and then you get Uranus, the seventh ray. So you can see the very center of each of these targets are the ray colorings of the ashrams. Uranus is the seventh ray ashram, then violet, and then you would get Jupiter as the second ray ashram and the central target is blue, as is of course the this general star uh, the whole, that holds all of these ray ashrams together. The centaur, all four feet are on the ground. It's well anchored on the earth, in, in the animal nature and on, on the fields of the earth, whereas in the the rider, um, the horse itself is on its hind feet and is reared upwards. It's carrying the the horseman up into the sky off the earth. So this particular Sagittarian is also of a divine activity. It's sort of one pointed activity to produce the goal. It's not static. It's not just simply grazing on on. Um, on the green verdure. The fourth ray is Mercury. Uh, yeah, it's Mercury and, and the colour is yellow. Yeah, well, it's difficult to see, but it's there. I have indicated it. So. And also, you can see in the, the archer's case, we again have the, the, the whole night sky and, and the dawn as well. Um, this is early in the morning, the best time for meditation. And so the archer can fire the arrows all the way into cosmos, if need be. And it's that indigo blue that um, governs the entire venture of the rider at this particular case. So you've got the third ray and the second ray uh, specifically exemplified. And when you look at my um, the way I've drawn the, the signs, I have a triplicity up top headed by the first ray and the sixth ray and the seventh ray. So it's a one six seven combination, but the very very highest target is the first ray, and then the six seven combination really is the target of power, of um, power on the physical. When you get the sixth ray and the seventh ray working together, then you the seventh ray gives you dexterity on the physical plane to master all the cycles of of the material plane activity and the sixth ray is that desire that energy that that you need in order to overcome all of the the problems to do of samsara and then the first ray just drives it all home gives you the whole will to to overcome so i've got this one six seven combination of top and then the second and third and fourth and fifth rays as a square below the basic second ray dispensation that the archer fires towards, but it's the entire cosmos. What it really refers to is the higher initiations. So firing, firing the arrows to high Vi attainment. Via Shambhala, yes. Um, that's what stands behind all of hierarchy. When we look at the the main key words or key phrases for, for Sagittarius, we have um, the third one for the average human being. One pointed ambition and uh, that's pretty obvious to all of you you can see the way ambition works in average human beings and it's mostly of course for the acquiring of money material goods some use this energy for sexual their sexual drive 
whatever it is, it's 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 power on the physical plane. That's the way ambition is directed. And they can become very good politicians, of course. <laughs> they can you know, fire the arrows to influence the minds of uh, the masses of humans. The pole opposite of this particular sign is Gemini. And they're both um, parts, arms of the mutable cross. So that's some um, constant mutable activity. And Gemini, as we've seen before, you've got the two brothers. One's immortal, the other one's mortal. They stand for soul and personality, but um, it can also, they also, you know, they, die, they have to learn to share and walk together. Of course, their brothers can be brother and sister too, male, female, often warring, and then they have to learn to stop quarreling, um, join hands, and then focus upon the ditchium of the temple to build the rainbow bridge to it. This, um, this particular sign. Sagittarius is the opposite. It actually fires the arrow to it. You know, it's the it's the bridge builder, if you want, um, to those ashrams. So it's it's those arrows are the antichronas, the arrows of mind. The other thing, just while we're talking about this, are these are the only two signs of the zodiac where we have the Earth as one of the planetary rulers. In this particular case of Sagittarius, the Earth is the esoteric ruler. And in the case of Gemini, it's the hierarchical ruler. It means that for for Sagittarius, after all those battles in in Scorpio, Sagittarius is the master of the planes of the earth, or the mistress of the planes of the earth. So they're completely at home in all of the trains of, of human civilization. Of course, ambition gets you to high places, and uh, one pointed aspiration towards the heart of life gets you to high places, materially high or spiritually high. So you can see why the earth is there. Also, with regards to Gemini, it's the hierarchical ruler because this concept of learning to join hands, technically of the diva and the human kingdoms, to enter into the temple of life is what humanity is really all about. The esoteric key phrase for Sagittarius is simply the directed arrow of aspiration. And this is quite easy enough to understand. And all of you know how to fire those arrows and you've been doing it all your lives and you do it mostly in meditation, but you do it in your service work. You do it to heal and to help others. It always produces or nearly always produces good outcomes. Sometimes you can be a little bit too ambitious in what you do or in what you think you're doing or, or how you think you ought to help and that can produce problems. As I've learnt over the years, one can be naive about uh, those that are the targets of your help and you give and you give and give and somehow it doesn't work out the way that you intended it to work out because you've not fully taken into account the proper qualities of your target arena of service. So you learn the wisdom through firing misplaced arrows, often with good intent. I think we've all done that, and that's the, the way of the disciple. We learn that way, and it's a good way to become wise. So we learn not to misplace our arrows, and, that, and, and in fact, we reduce our quiver to only a small number of arrows, and we learn to use them sparingly and quite wisely. And we learn to use the bow with full effect. And um, it's fully taught. And the arrow will go very far.
rather than being short-sighted and missing the target very often. So this concept of, of arrow is um, quite important. I learnt it very much in one of my lives as, as an arrow maker. And you, you think about it, I often actually have an image of myself pulling an arrow from my quiver, which is on the back here, and then I, I find my target. But with that, you, your eye and your mind are, are focused with a straight line to the target. And you are sort of doing all the little calculations. And in the case of an archer, you're calculating the speed of the wind, you're calculating the distance, how far it's up, where you have to uh, make the arrow a little bit higher to get so when the gravity will pull it down and so forth. So it's all these calculations. But the main thing is, is the one-pointed eye. You're either using your left eye, which is the, the eye nadi, which is the eye of reason, or you're using the right eye, which is the Pingala Nadi, which is the eye of wisdom, um, to fire this arrow. And so you're looking at the whole line of sight of that that arrow, the, the, the you know whatever it's called, the the bore of the arrow. And then you have to make sure that the bow is tight enough to fire it. It's quite a lot of spirituality, the archer. I I like very much, um, you know, there's a book out sometime, uh, it was written many times ago, Zen and the Art of Archery. The Zen mind and the archer. So there's all sorts of technique of, of firing that arrow down on horse and, and that, but they have to let go of their mind. And the best archer is one that is no longer focused with their mind and they just do it with pure intuition, pure insight. This is what the Sagittarian has to do. So first of all, you do the line of sight, and you learn to do that, and then later on, it's intuitive. It's automatic. And when it's like that, you're the expert archer, you're the the Zen meditator, you do it with no mind. The whole training of meditation, from the preliminary training of working with the nadis, which are also like arrows, to various targets in, of, of the chakras, to the eventual training of the whole mind until there's no mind, and you fly the arrows of intuition, of pure revelation. So you can see this, this particular sign is relatively easy to explain, but what the archer is trying to achieve is quite difficult. So that's the director of the Arrow of Aspiration. And of course, the esoteric, the initiate, is the avatar on the white horse. And the avatar is a descent from God. It's not simply, you're no longer a personality. You just simply fulfill the word of God, whatever that word is, whatever the purpose is, uh, with one-pointed ambition or one-pointed directed purpose. And nothing gets in your way, you know, and then it'll lead you to, to, to crucifixion. It does not matter. That's what the energy of God is making you do. That's the divinity manifesting within, and the divinity produces the changes on the physical plane that needs to be done. And of course, when we, I started off and I was talking about the Huns and the Visigoths and all of these horsemen on the, on the plains, they had the same thing. They were sort of called in those days the scourge of God because they scourged whole cities of population and everything. You know, they were an absolute devastating horde of horsemen. But they produced 
important changes nevertheless for civilization for the world and it's the same with the absolute sagittarian initiate they've incarnated to do a, a particular chore it can be anything for instance it can be and nothing can really stand in their way but that's what they do they, they for instance it can be something like an einstein you know, it's, it's just it's just to bring home that particular field of science uh, it can be a musician that absolutely, you know, plays music or, or like Bach, that's just born to compose the world's greatest music. Or Beethoven, even when he's blind <laughs> or deaf, it was, he was deaf, absolutely couldn't hear anything. He was still writing music. This is the Sagittarian type of impulse. So for all of you that are initiates, you should be able to see some of this Sagittarian quality within you. Depending on your ray line, you become an avatar of that ray purpose. You wear the, your, you know, your colors, you fire the arrows of that particular ray to produce its purpose on this planet. It's pretty well always quite consistent. You know, second ray does this type of service work, seventh ray is like this, the you know, the first ray is like that. First ray Sagittarians are <laughs> very potent. Once they overcome their material nature and their emotions, they, they absolutely are the avatar. And they can destroy much in order so that the builders can come to build. And remember, the, the, to manifest the, the word of God, it, it means the arrows of the destroying or the sword of the destroying angel. The higher you up you go, the more you become a destroying angel you this is one of my problems as all of you know the emotional ones squawk around me because they i'm too forceful too direct with them so they can't stay because it's too destructive on their their thinking processes or their emotions though what i say is always that arrow of truth it pierces to the bone people don't want often to have that directness um, given to them. They like things to be much more bundled up in a nice neat package with a little arrow inside somewhere. Well, I was wondering about the presence in my chart. My sense of focus comes from I have a Mars and Jupiter together conjoint. In Sagittarius. Wow, there you are. Mars, Mars, sixth ray, God of War, Jupiter, Wisdom, the second ray, second ray and sixth ray in Sagittarius. It means that you can control your emotions, your desire impetus. When you're younger, you're probably quite devotional and emotional and quite a few desires and you had to sort of rein in the Sagittarian sort of ambitions. And when you did so, then the Jupiter kicks in and rules Mars. And before that, Mars rules Jupiter and with the Sagittarian impetus. So it was probably quite a transition in your life to produce harmony in the midst of conflict. That's what you always try to do. You harmonise your life and harmonise the lives of people around you and you use the Sagittarian impulse to do so. At first with quite fanaticism or zeal and then later on with more wisdom. But I'm going to say too um, that I'm not sure it's just to clarify. I'm not sure if this is a more of an exoteric astrology but um, the, the the one pointed that our features of Sagittarius have been made very clear and, and um, that's a you know very beautiful feature of the sign. And I don't know if, as I said, if this is a more generalised exoteric understanding of Sagittarian that I've picked up as well as 
and this is always a very flawed method, but always ha also having known quite a few Sagittarians, there's, although there's this intense focus, there's this really rich creative lightness. Yes, of course. That I've always encountered with Sagittarians, and it doesn't surprise me that she has those signs, because there's, there's seems to me a lot of heart in Sagittarius. And that's right, and the reason is because the exoteric planet ruler is Jupiter. Ah, wisdom. Which love wisdom. wisdom. And they're mm. creative. Is that creativity? Yeah, it produces creativity with the Sagittarian, with the ambition. Yeah, fused together because they focus that sort of, you know, yeah. that, that love, wisdom, energy on whatever level. It could be that's quite right. personality. They want to do stuff. They want to do stuff, yeah. yeah that's they, they have this driving ambition to do stuff and they're generally quite wise, they're quite yeah. considerate in the way they do those things. So it's not like it comes out, you know, Aries mm. ambition, for example, no. can be, you know, like being run down by a... Um, semi-trailer if you're in the way but Sagittarian ambition tends to come across more as like look at this you know yeah you see the Sagittarian has like... technically gone through all those signs of the zodiac so it's, mm -hmm. it's nearing the end of their cycle and therefore they've actually developed a lot of wisdom over time so inherently you can see if they're not too ambitious they generally are quite right. wise is is Sagittarius fourth ray or is it it's you couldn't say it's a particular well, ray line. It's not it's along the first ray line yeah. because of the yeah. because of the, the, the firing error, yeah. yes, and the ambitious. Yeah. And see as I said, it's more the, the first ray aspect of the third ray. Mm. So you've got the, the, the green terrain that lives on and feeds on. So it's the first ray aspect of the third ray, but with the Jupiter to balance it, it's got those that wonderful combination. And the whole, that's uh, the sign. And um, just be aware of that, of the ride on the white horse. Mm -hmm. And in the Revelation, there's there's passage somewhere, um, Revelation 21 or whatever it is, about this ride on the white horse, and he comes to being death and destruction. And so if you read the Revelation somewhere on um, chapter 21, you'll get... And that's actually Sagittarius. Mm. It's they they always come in to bring sweeping changes on this planet whenever a Sagittarian avatar manifests.